Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday. I really hope you're having a wonderful time. I am so grateful to be here. Each Friday, I get so excited to come and talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Our team, season five, continues discovering your purpose. Somebody was asking me the other day, why did I choose discovering your purpose as a team for this season? I don't know. Usually, it's really intentional. I just think about something, I meditate on it, and then it happens, right? And I want to give the world leaders visibility. I want to make sure people hear from them. They are so remarkable individuals. People like my guest this week, she is awesome. I'm going to introduce her shortly. But let me tell you about COP26. I've been talking about the girls quite a lot at COP26 in Glasgow in Scotland. One of the things I realize is that although we are collaborating, participating and having conversation behind the scenes, negotiating, new funding is going on, adaptation, so much going on, so much was going on at COP26. But I left COP with a bit of, um, I've been very, very, not hurt, but I've been thinking, what can we do to reset humanity? I don't think people understand what's going on in Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya, where over 200,000 people live in extreme heat. The Amazon forest, women and girls are suffering from violence, from so, I can't even begin to tell you. My country, Senegal, women and girls are poor because men can't find the amount of fish they capture every single day. Illegal fishing is destroying our waters. It's really unbelievable that we created COP26, but we have not addressed those core issues. So my take is this. We need to reset humanity. That's my take for COP26. I hope that the world leaders will reflect on their time, the last two weeks, what they've done at COP26, and really think about the girls and the boys who are suffering the effect of climate change as we speak. My guest this week knows all about resetting humanity. She is an extraordinary woman, a mindful, principled lady. I got to meet many years ago. She's making a lot of difference in the finance industry. Her name is Caroline Gurner. She's a member of the executive committee at UBS Wealth Management. Caroline is lovely, an amazing woman, someone I really admire. I admire her because I think she, she knows where she's going and nobody will stop her. She doesn't usually give interviews, but I wanted to invite her so the young women and girls listening to this podcast can learn from her. She is a remarkable woman and an amazing story. I really hope you'll enjoy my conversation. I love her dearly. See you on the other side. I think I've got my guest on the line. Caroline, are you there? Yes. Hi, Mariam. I'm here. I'm Caroline Kunert, and I'm very happy to be joining you today. Thank you for inviting me. No, no, thank you. I always say to people why we invited them on the I Am The Code podcast. I think you have done two things you probably may not know. And I really would like for young girls and boys listening to this podcast to know. I remember meeting you in Switzerland 
But you came across as somebody who was really warm and kind and supportive. And you listened very carefully about the project I Am The Code at that time. And you really took leadership to support us in, in many, many ways. And I think the second thing is you are somebody who follow up. If you can't do it, you'll get someone else to help out. <laughs> so I like your persistence as well. You know, the fact that you don't promise, but if you can do it, you can do it. So I really love that about you. And I thought that young women and girls growing up right now should listen to leaders like you. So welcome on the I Am The Code podcast. And thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you again. Yes, I very much look forward to talking to you. For me, you've been a role model in what you're doing with the girls. I'm excited about what they do and I'm keen to learn more. So whatever I can help is happy to do that. Absolutely. So where are you calling from? Are you in the UK or in Switzerland right now? Yeah, well, actually, I came to the office today to have this conversation with you. This morning, I was on a lake on the border between Switzerland and Germany. It's called Lake Constance, where I was teaching people from my bank, young future leaders, about what it takes and about the leadership qualities we need and about what is necessary to survive in the future because we don't know what the future holds, but there are some qualities that help. So from there, I came straight back to the office to have this conversation with you. I'm so pleased that we are doing this. One of the things that I've noticed you've been talking about, and I was reading some of the articles, is about the pandemic. How has the pandemic affected you and what has it taught you? Do you have any tips you can share with the girls? Yeah, well, the pandemic for me and probably for everybody else, it just showed us that the unexpected and unimaginable can happen and it can happen very, very quickly. It also taught me that family and friends, I always knew they are important, but in the pandemic, this all got a lot more meaning and importance, I think, for everybody And sharing experiences and being close, even if one isn't close physically, became absolutely vital for, I think, all our mental health. I've also learned the beauty of silence and calm, because at some point when we were in total lockdown, it got all of a sudden quite paced life and one could have time to reflect. And to some extent, I miss it because we were all back totally into the frenzy that we had before. No, absolutely. I mean, the calmness in the yoga, do you practice yoga? What do you do to keep calm, to practice health? What do you do? I do mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I try to meditate regularly. But the simplest thing for me, because you have the intention and then what you do, but what I do do is breathing. Before I have an important meeting or when somebody really sort of works me up the wrong way, before I respond, before I do anything, I try to take three very deep breaths and then I breathe out and then life looks quite different. Wow, that's amazing. Yesterday, the girls were meditating. They were actually learning to inhale and exhale. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good they learned that from you. <laughs> it's very powerful, girls. Is, Be there, is. remain there, just breathe. When you don't know how to react, take a moment to breathe. Oh, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. Girls, I think if you're listening to that, it's really amazing. So they were doing the exercise yesterday because I just wanted them to keep calm. There's so much going on in the refugee camp. I want them to keep calm and just keep focused. It's really beautiful. One of the things I was going to ask you, Caroline, is where has everything begun for you? I think many people may not know you're actually Austrian, right? 
Yes, I live and work now in Switzerland, which is my base, but I grew up in Austria and I grew up in the mountains in Austria. So we have quite high mountains and deep valleys. And I grew up in a tiny village. We were maybe about a thousand inhabitants at the time. And I was the youngest of four siblings, three elder brothers. And then I came as an afterthought into the family. And from there, I grew up, I think I had a protected upbringing in the sense that there were no big towns and no big problems. But I, of course, wanted to get out and see the big world and become independent and be a little bit further away from the control of the father and the brothers. And that was sort of my ambition always to see the world and influence the world. And did you go to school there as well? I went to school there locally, but because mm -hmm. we didn't have really good schools very close by, mm -hmm. I went to boarding school and the boarding school was run by nuns. And I spent four years in that boarding school and then I was old enough to commute to a different school by bus every day. So early on, sort of, I learned some discipline about organizing one's day and making sure that the right thing happens at the right time. It's really amazing you said that because yesterday the girls were learning about how to be successful. I will ask you this later. So one of the things we told them is that to be successful, you need to be disciplined. I don't know if that's right, but I'm sure you can tell us. <laughs> I'm sure you can advise us on that. So yesterday they were learning about that. Excellent. Well, that is a very important skill. And actually, it's something one needs to train. You know, it doesn't come by itself. So getting mm -hmm. up at the same time, doing the stuff that maybe you have to do, but you don't want to do first, so mm -hmm. that you get it out of the way, and that you don't have an excuse that you've run out of time later when you've done all the stuff that you do like to do first. So this is sort of sets things in motion and helps you to get organized. And that's what my father taught me. And he started by insisting that I had breakfast early morning, every morning. I didn't like breakfast. I thought it was not worth it. I thought it was much better to sleep in and then run for the bus at the last minute. And he had me up every morning, cook breakfast for me. We didn't talk, <laughs> but he gave me something warm to drink. Mostly it was tea. And so with that, I went off to school. And in the end, I think I was more ready to take on the day because there was something in my stomach. I think we should congratulate your father for giving you that discipline, which is lead me to my next question, which is that now you're leading, you know, over 270 frontline staff in Switzerland, in Singapore, in Moscow, in Kiev, Istanbul, and Warsaw. I guess that the leadership you have now, your style of leadership come from probably your early years. Would you say that's true? And what has been motivating you to keep like this consistent leader, a woman in the business for a long time? Yeah, so for me, it's important that you lead by example, that you don't demand of others what you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself, that you have prepared for what you are going to do and what you want to achieve, and then take people with you on the journey, make sure they understand what is the game, the ambition, the target, the goal, and then everybody, it's easier to follow if you do that. That's really amazing. And then where did you learn this? Was it because the discipline you had? How did you manage to become this amazing leader? I have a lot of admiration for, for you and all the feedback I got from people, the stuff I read about you. It's really fascinating. Where did you learn to be this disciplined and consistent and doing the right thing? Where did you learn that? 
<laughs> I don't know. I think I'm going back to my parents and to my father, whose view was that if you start something, you've got to finish it. And if you set out to do something, you do it and you don't give up just because it's getting a little more difficult. And in my experience, there's always you start off something with a lot of excitement. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn this skill. I'm going to run there. I'm going to start this new venture job uh, assignment. And then comes the moment when it gets a bit tougher. And that's when you just keep going and don't stop and just keep going until you're done. And that just sort of I think over time, it got a bit more ingrained. And also, the more you do it, the more the experience shows you that things can be done and can be achieved. And I remember even when I was at school and I got a mathematics assignment and I read the question and I thought, oh, my God, I can't do this. This is too difficult. And I remember that somebody had said to me, just read it slowly again, breathe, and then start resolving it and that's what I used to do and I think that helped me sort of just not giving up too early once you have a task that you need to accomplish. That's a beautiful advice. You also seem to be a very kind person, very reserved and very private, but very kind and open to help people. Because in many times I send you a message, I called you, even if you can't do it, you'll just, you know, respond and all of that. Where did you learn to be this present and kind to people and always willing to support when you can? <laughs> I don't know, but thank you very much for the compliment. Anyway, Mariam, I just had a tough time at one point in my life. We all have difficult times. And then I thought, well, what can I contribute? What can I do? I have no influence over where the world goes and which war starts where and which crisis is where. I have no influence of what's happening in my company, what people do, what senior management does. And then I realized I could influence what was happening around me by just showing empathy and compassion and by just listening and by trying to do the small thing, like coming in in the morning and saying cheerfully, good morning, and how that would influence the atmosphere and the team and how that would help us to achieve whatever that day's task and goal was. And I think that's how I started to say to myself, okay, I can be a tough girl. I grew up with four brothers and a very strict father, but actually... When I have a choice, I try first with kindness, compassion, and I give people the benefit of the doubt that they are worthy of my trust and that together we can do what we want to do, what we set out to do. No, it's beautiful you said that. I feel that you understand challenges because what I was saying the other day to the girls is that we all have our different stories and we all have been through difficulty in, in our lives. But I know that you know toughness, you know challenges, and that's why you are this remarkable leader. But does it mean that you have discovered your purpose now? You've been into banking for so long and really seeing wealthy people. You have seen a lot in your life. Does it mean that now you've discovered your purpose in wanting to do better and help better and shape minds, maybe, and hearts? I'm happy with where I am and the contributions I can make. But this is an ongoing journey, Marin. This is not like you once say, oh, my purpose is to do this or to do that, and then it doesn't change over time. So for me, doing the best I can every day, making the people around me feel that I care for their well-being, 
being a very strong contributor to my company because I also have to fulfill, of course, commercial ambitions and goals and also having an impact in my family, a positive impact in my family. Uh, the children are growing up now, are they? Yeah. <laughs> How old are they now? Well, there are eight grandchildren. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Do you enjoy spending time with the youngest ones? I do. And I do like answering their questions and challenging them and helping mm. them when I see that they hesitate. Because yeah. that's what I had learned. We have in Austria, we have a lot of snow. Mm. And uh, we were skiing as children. And sometimes you look down that hill and I was the smallest. So I look down and then you get some encouragement and somebody says, well, try and you you can do it. And I am with you and I won't let you down. And so mm. that's I'm trying to also teach the children. It brings trust. I actually learned my leadership style in Austria. I don't know if I ever told you this. I was sent to a village in Austria to become a, a leader. <laughs> And I learned how to trust people because of the skiing I did in Austria. I had to trust somebody. I had no idea what he was going to do, but he was my very good friend. And I trusted him. After I learned how to ski, I started trusting people. <laughs> I don't know if I told you that. <laughs> Fantastic. I didn't know you skied. We need to go together. Yeah, yeah, I went to Austria. Absolutely. I will never forget that moment. But the other thing I was going to ask you as well, many times we think that women are helpful to other women. But I've been hearing that some men have also helped them. Who has helped you in your career and who has changed your life? Well, A, I don't think it's men or women. I think this is not really gender specific. You just need to look out for the people where you feel you can learn something. And then you use whatever skill they teach you or whatever you admire in them. You see how you can apply this to your own life. In my life, I don't think there was one particular person. I was just blessed to have a supportive environment. And from time to time, as I just explained, I reached out to people because I thought, oh, maybe this person can help me here and this person can help me there. I also have to say, Mariam, books have helped me a lot. Because through books, I could discover and learn much more. I felt I could lead many lives and share what the stories that were described in the books. Yeah, that's really amazing. I also uh, learned that you love art. Yeah, I do. I do. But I'm not a specialist. It's not uh, one of my core passions. It's just together with music, something that transports me out of my whatever my current problems or issues are and takes me somewhere else into a beautiful place so that I then can come back and be reinvigorated for what I do. It's really fascinating. You said that one of the things I would like to now ask you is about your career. You are very well respected into the wealth management industry, the finance industry. I've seen all the work you've done. Uh, but what has motivated you to get into finance and do all of this? Was this when you started working? How, how did it come about? Yeah, Mariam, I ended up in finance because I wanted to continue my learning. And academia at the time wasn't open for me. The alternative would have been I would have gone to a university and teach, but that wasn't possible. So I went into finance. I thought they will teach me new skills and finance is such a broad area. You can do so much in banking. Also, I wanted to change the world, make it a better place, help the developing countries to get on their own feet. So that was an area which allowed me to do that. And then I also wanted to have 
financial independence for myself. I didn't want to be dependent ever on a man, as nice as they sometimes may be. And finance seemed to offer all of that. That's amazing. I mean, the girls are, we're now teaching them financial inclusion, financial literacy, all of that. But it's really fascinating. You said that, but you meet so many wealthy people. I was talking the other day about how can we use wealth for good? Do you have any tips or we also have government and private sector and many people are listening to this podcast. Do you have any tips on how we can use our wealth for good? I know philanthropy is one way, but is it any other way? I know people are investing in COVAX and the vaccine and all of that, but is it any other way we can use our wealth for good? Yeah, most wealthy people I deal with, they really have a desire to do good And they do so either through their philanthropy engagement and a lot of good things are happening there, or they just think about impact. And what I see in the new generation, in the younger people, because there is also always a generational shift when the wealth gets transferred from one generation to the next, the next generation, the people under 40 who inherit, they think very hard how they can make sure that they can contribute to a better world. So we just need to bring everybody together. And UBS has many ways how we offer platforms where people who have needs get together with people who want to do the right thing or where new ways of, I don't know, whether it's for climate or for food or for anything come together. And I'm also a um, trustee for a big charity, which, for example, thinks about innovative ways of finance to bring better nutrition to the people who need it most. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I was reading a couple of articles from you where you were really talking about women economic empowerment, how the millennials and women need to be independent financially. Why do you think women should be? I think post-COVID-19, so many women have lost their businesses. They have to reskill themselves. There's not a lot of money into the pot. They have to change jobs and start again. What advice do you have for these women who have to start all over again? They may not have the husband or the loan or the furloughs. Any advice you have for these women right now? Yeah, first, I believe nobody has a choice but to start again and learn from past experience, be smarter, try it again. Also, find people who are in similar situations as you, because teaming up is always good. And then learning from other people's experiences. I totally agree. So that's why I like the work you are doing at TBS. You're really helping women in making sure that they can look after their wealth. But what have motivated you to start really looking at not only women economic empowerment, but also what gives you hope right now? Do you think that it's going to get better post-COVID-19 for women? You know, wealth, do you think it's going to be better or do they need to completely shift? I'm an optimist by nature, Mariam, and I have a lot of hope that not only the crisis, but also the young generation, all the topics that have come out, whether it's about climate change, whether it's about how we should interact, whether it's about empowerment or gender equality, you know, the Me Too, all these things are movements in the world that will lead us into a better world. I'm really hopeful about that. And I think our audience here on this podcast, they will contribute because they want to live in a better world. Mm. 
Mm, they do. They do want to live in a better world. And do you know how we can influence or how you are influencing you using your power? Because you are a very powerful woman, Caroline. You may not accept that, <laughs> but I think you are. <laughs> how do you use your power, your your grace? I think you are a very gracious woman as well. But how do you use your power, your influence to make a difference in the life of women and girls. I know you sit on the board of supporting nutrition, which is good, but is there any other way that you are slowly, gently, and maybe in a very small way using your influence to support women and girls? Yes, in my position as a member of the board of Global Wealth Management, uh, we, of course, think about the strategy for the bank long term. And that starts not only with recruiting women, but also promoting women, empowering them. So whenever we have a new job applications, we always look out and where are the women here and where are the minorities here and where are the people who are slightly different? Because the more diversity we have in our workforce and also, of course, the gender balance, the better we will be at our jobs and the more successful we will be as an organization. And when I meet the clients and they only, well, increasingly they bring their their daughters and their wives to the meeting, (laughs) but when they don't, I ask them why not? So it's a question about asking the right questions, challenging the status quo and, uh, and, and pushing the agenda that we all want to push. I remember being invited by UBS to meet uh, the wife of the wealthiest people. (laughs) That was so amazing. I was like, I was in a room and to explain, you know, what I am the code does to these wealthy women. And they were so impressed with the work we were doing. So do you use activities and, and, you know, do you promote organizations for these people who may, who are probably maybe disconnected with what's happening out there? Do you do that? Do you open their mind into seeing like we are the UBS global visionaries and we've been invited so many times by your organization to come and meet these people? Is it anything else do you think these people should know? We offer platforms and the possibility for people to meet. And this is what they really, really value because that's how they, for example, some of my clients learned about you, Mariam, and what you do for your girls and how these girls do their work, can contribute to making companies better, faster with their coding, etc. So I believe a lot more of this has to be done and we continue to do that. One of the things I'm proud to do is to be a UBS visionary. It was really, really amazing to spend time with you in Switzerland. It's really beautiful. What are the values you live by? Yeah, I told you, I believe we have to lead by example and get it right. You need to be true to yourself. So I have what I call the mirror test. So I need to be able to look in the mirror and be happy with the decisions I've taken And the impact that I've had on people, because sometimes you need to take tough decisions, you need to decide that you need to part company with somebody who works for you, and that has an impact on them. So how do I do? Life and death. No, not life and death, but job or no job uh, is... Mm. is, is, uh, It is, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. I want to be there for people when they have something, a problem, and be really listening and helping them on their way. I've also a long time ago decided I would not spend time with people who surround themselves with the people who worry so much or the energy suckers, you know. 
I know, I know those people. <laughs> true. It's There's true. no time for that. No. no. You need to focus your energy on where mm. you can actually help somebody to help themselves. Mm. And some people just think they can only ask for something, but they'll mm. never give anything back. How did you learn to ask for help? What are the tips and young girls listening to you right now? They will have careers in finance, in technology. But how do you ask for help? You just ask, but you make it as concrete and specific as possible and put it into a context. So, for example, don't say, how do I become a billionaire? Because nobody knows the answer. But look, I need to learn this skill or I would like to meet that person. How could I do that? What could I do? Who can help me? Can you help me? I think that is certainly a way to go forward, do the one thing and then never forget to say thank you and always try and either return the favor or pay it forward, do something good for someone else so that they also feel they are supported. So that creates a support structure around you and that will make life much easier for you and for the people around you. Wow. You are a very grateful person, but I want to, you to tell the girls and the boys who are listening to you right now in a different setting of the world, 200,000 people in refugee camp and they can't dream, they can't do anything. Uh, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for every day that I wake up and I'm just alive. That's a big thing. I'm grateful for my family that supports me. I'm grateful for the opportunities I had, but I also think we need to find our opportunities. They are different for everybody. And not always do we get all the opportunities we would want, but we need to watch out for them and look out for them and grasp them as they come along. That's really beautiful. One of the things I also have seen you talk about is how do we build a sustainable financing and partnership with women and girls? Do you have any advice on this for government listening to you right now or the private sector? Uh, I think they also need to look for their opportunities, partner up. Very often, chances are not taken because everybody has their own agenda and people can't compromise and work together. So we lose a lot of focus sometimes by three people trying to do the same thing, but they're all doing it slightly differently instead of just teaming up. That's the Austrian of you talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's you like practical, you know, go for it. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions before we finish your podcast. The only thing I was going to tell you that is, you know, at I Am The Code, we we teach women and girls how to code. And we've been so grateful to have the support of UBS from the beginning to give us our seed fund. It's really remarkable, the work. We, of course, need to get more support from you, but I'm sure it will come with time. But our goal is to give them, to give the young women who are listening to you right now the skills they need to join the global workforce because it's going to be very tough for these refugees and girls in slums, in favelas, in difficult places to follow a certain path of education, but also have access to connections and mentoring and training. What are the skills you have? Because I've been watching you, I've seen you. What are the skills you have in you that you can share with the girls so maybe they can follow your footstep or actually learn from it? Yeah, if you want to achieve something like have a job and succeed in the global competitive environment, you have to have a certain toughness also towards yourself. 
So not necessarily give in when you feel tired or not give up, as we discussed earlier, just because things are getting difficult. Try and carve out some space, which is your space, in which you learn. Retain your curiosity and make sure you find something new to learn every day. I think that's probably sort of the main things here. And challenge yourself because it's easy without uh, being pushed by someone else to give your very best. But I believe if you do give your very best and you do it over an extended period of time, not only will you be better than others and this will be recognized, I also believe that then you will get the reward for that. If you're doing code, then you have to be the best coder you can possibly be. And that's the best advice I can give you. Whatever you do, try and do it as best as you can and to improve at what you're doing. That's beautiful. That's really amazing. And how are you using your time right now to relax and to serve humanity? I know during COVID, you did a lot of work in supporting other organizations, but would you mind sharing that with the girls who are listening to you right now? Maybe they can also go and help other people. Yeah. Again, in the pandemic, it was particularly difficult because you wouldn't see people physically. I think this is less of a problem maybe where your girls are, but reaching out to other people, just getting a feel for where the problems might be and ask people, can I help you? Is there a problem? Is there something I can do for you? And that will uh, help that other person, but it will also make you feel better. Absolutely. I mean, during COVID-19, we, I think to your point earlier, I've seen a lot of humanity. People have donated to I Am The Code and the girls, because of that, you know, they didn't get any infection and they just get on with it. So definitely, I agree with you. I mean, we, when it hit us, unfortunately, at the beginning of the pandemic, most people looked very much at their immediate environment or their country. And Mm. we had thousands of employees who were donating parts of their salaries to help those people who didn't have a security net, who didn't have insurance, who didn't have furlough. And then we also looked through the UBS Optimus Foundation to raise funds, and we raised several million dollars just through additional donations by staff and clients uh, to give it to those who needed it most. No, no, it was beautiful. And but also you made a lot of contribution to the COVAS vaccine, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That was amazing. That has helped a lot of people in Africa. So you have one bonus question before you go. So how do you keep yourself healthy? How do you what do you eat? How do you keep yourself this amazing, strong leader in finance? I just enjoy uh, being out in the fresh air, moving around. I do uh, winter sports, summer sports. And I just love being uh, out in the fresh air and be surrounded by people who I like and cook for them, cook with them, eat what they have cooked and spend a great time together. We are so happy to have you on the I Am The Code podcast. Is it anything you want to tell the girls who are listening to you right now? Maybe there's a way for you to give them one last advice because I think, you know, you and I, we are in a very privileged position. Of course, uh, you know, they are dreaming. But I think we can hopefully serve as a role model to give them a little bit of boost. Anything you want to share with them? Yeah, don't give up dreaming. That's so important. Let nobody stop you or say what you want to do is impossible. But at the same time, you have to make the effort because dreaming alone is not enough. 
it means you've got to move away from your comfort zone for where it's nice and cozy and easy into a space where it's harder and where there are skills to be learned and situations to be dealt with that you were not prepared for and people to be dealt with who are not always kind and friendly and helpful. And just go for it. Find friends and alliances along the way, but drop those who are not good for you. And you know mm. who's not good for you. You feel it in your stomach, you see it. So whatever they tell you doesn't count. Listen to yourself and drop them if they are not good for you. Do you think they should pay attention, the girls? Pay attention to the emotions, especially when they are refugees and they live in a heat in difficult condition. Do you think they should pay attention and just know that things will get better for them? Yeah, they need to pay a lot of attention because it's a very tough environment. I can just start to imagine how tough it is. So therefore, your best friend are you for yourself. So start trusting your instincts when it comes to bad environment and situations you need to avoid for your survival, for the better of your family, for your learning experience. Just learn trusting yourself and your instincts there. Well, Caroline, you and I can talk until tomorrow, but let me close this podcast by saying your name in such a way that you're going to be proud of me. Caroline Kuner. Thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast. Thank you very much, Mariam. I'm Caroline Kunert. I am an executive member of the UBS Global Wealth Management Board. And I'm so honored and happy that you girls have been listening to us. And I wish you all the very, very best for the future. Thank you for having me. No, no, it is our pleasure. So we'll say it probably. Girls, if you are Googling right now, Caroline, and you want to know who she is, we're going to share her LinkedIn profile with you. And of course, you're going to listen to this podcast in Kakuma Refugee Camp in Kenya. And I really hope you girls have learned so much from her. She's really an awesome, awesome, awesome lady who have helped I Am The Code. So her name, I'll say it one more time, Caroline Kuner. Welcome and thank you so much for coming on the I'm the Code podcast. <laughs> thank you very much, Mayam. You know, as I said, she is remarkable. I love people like her. She's very humble as well. Very, very humble. A lot of humility. It's beautiful. Amazing interview. I love people who are making a difference in silence. You know, they are creating impact without a lot of noise. Amazing, amazing woman. I feel so honored and blessed to know people like Caroline because she is an optimist by nature, but also a mindful and a kind leader. I've learned this week, in fact, that if you don't tell your story, somebody else will be writing your history. So let's write the stories of people like Caroline. She's really remarkable. I feel obliged, you know, sometimes to give people like her a platform because She's doing wonderful work and the world should hear and learn from them. Let's learn and explore each other more. As Bilawo told us last week, we must reciprocate our love, our compassion, but also learn from all the people who are making a difference without saying it. You've been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, uh, Mariam Jam. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day to be alive. I really hope you are going to take some time off for yourself and your family to listen to the podcast and listen to all the seasons. We have really beautiful people that came on the I Am The Code podcast lately. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Listen now, wherever you're listening your podcast from. Please, please share that. As I always say, be a hero. Share the podcast with your friends. I'm sure somebody out there can benefit from Caroline's wisdom. We're a very small team at I Am The Code dedicated to making the world a better place by creating inspiring content for people who want to do better and be better. And you know, while we're here, please, please support I Am The Code. You know, this month is Giving Tuesday month and make I Am The Code your charity of choice. Each time you support I Am The Code, the money you give us will go straight away to our young women and girls. We get them connectivity, content, and we get them things they need in the refugee camp, but also in other places of the world. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you are discovering your purpose. I hope you are learning to discover your purpose or you are trying to find your ways. Either way, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your loyalty. I really appreciate you listening to the I Am The Code podcast each week. Thank you so much. Have a lovely, lovely weekend and goodbye.